This morning, we continue with our study in the book of Exodus, and we showed for you uh, an overview of the book, uh, chapters 1 through 6, bondage, they were enslaved in Egypt, how, they, how God delivered them from chapter 7 to 15, and how in the wilderness, God sanctified His people. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, by position, by the Lord's presence in your life, you are positionally sanctified. You are declared holy. Now the challenge is to live out this holiness that is called progressive holiness or progressive sanctification. So, yes, I am holy because of the blood of Jesus Christ, but it is incumbent upon me as a child of God, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live out my salvation with fear and trembling, to live a holy life, to live a life that is sanctified, to live a life that is set apart. So I cannot say, and I should not say, that I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, but my life does not reflect it. You may have just said the prayer. But if there is no fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, my friend, the Bible tells us, examine yourself. The Bible does not tell us to examine one another. The Bible tells us, go look in the mirror and examine yourself. Test yourself if you are really in the faith, lest you fail the test. So are you saved? Yes. What is the evidence? What is the proof of your salvation? Christ-likeness. And I want to, at the end, I'm going to ask uh, the D group leaders, I announced this by email, that we, have, we will have a short meeting after this to discuss our mission and our vision. I'll explain a little further on. Last week, we studied part of Exodus 20, and I challenged all of us that when we obey, we should obey with joy. Many times, especially when we're young, we're like kids, we obey out of obligation. Outwardly, we're obeying, but inwardly, we're rebelling. That's not obeying with joy. That is not honoring God. You see, God gave us His commandments not to be a burden to us, but so that we would be blessed, so that we would experience the joy of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ Himself said, in John 15, 10, and 11. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Did Jesus obey the will of God the Father? Yes. He modeled obedience for us. And in verse 11, it says, These things, all the commandments, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. Did Jesus have or experience the joy even in the midst of his suffering? The book of Hebrews tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and suffered its shame. This is God's son. He went to the cross. Did he struggle with obeying the will of the Father? Yes. Father, if it is possible, remove this cup. Yet not my will, but thy will be done. I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and what? And that your joy may be made full. So we must obey with joy. We obey. The outward must be consistent with the inward attitude of our heart. You may be obeying. I have to do my homework. That's not really obeying with joy. And I shared with you that before God gave the Ten Commandments to the Israelites through Moses, He reminded them that He is the God who brought them out of Egypt. He brought them out of slavery. He pulled them out of bondage. Why? Because rules without relationship usually results in rebellion. 
But if you understand who it is that is giving you these commandments, and he's giving you these commandments not to burden you, but so that you can experience his joy, then you will lovingly and willingly, with the right heart attitude, obey his commands. Last week we studied that basically the Ten Commandments are broken down into two categories. Love God, love others. The first four deals with your relationship with God. The last six deals with your relationship with other people. And it begins with Exodus 20 verse 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which, your, which the Lord your God gives you. It begins with the very basic, with the very fabric of society. It begins in the home. And when the home is destroyed, societies are destroyed. Nations are destroyed. So God begins. Honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment with the promise. Honor your father and mother that your lives may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And we shared with you that honor, and I've underlined it for you, it should be accompanied by appropriate attention or even obedience. Honor without such action is incomplete. It is lip service. I guess that's, why, that's where we get the American, I think it's called the euphemism. Don't give me no lip. Parents, have you experienced that? When you're telling your kids to do something, they give you lip. <laughs> they answer back. You know, they, give, they got all kinds of excuses. They say that they're going to follow you, but they don't really follow you. That's lip service. Don't give me no lip. Honor. When we say that we honor somebody, it has to be accompanied by corresponding obedience, corresponding action. It is not honor unless there is accompanied obedience and action. Are you with me? And I shared with you that we are to honor God, parents, the husband must be honored. The wife must be honored. All authorities must be honored. Everyone must be honored. And of course, your pastor, your elders, and your leaders must be honored. In Romans 3, verses 19 to 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. So if by obeying the law, we are not justified in the sight of God, why then do we need the law? Look at the last line. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The law is a mirror. When you gaze at the perfect law, guess what? You will see how imperfect you are. Through the law comes consciousness of sin. How will I know that lying is a sin? Because the Bible says lying is a sin. How will I know that stealing is a sin? Because the Bible says do not steal. How do I know if cursing somebody is a sin? Oh, pastor, the Bible says thou shalt not curse. No, it doesn't say that. But in Ephesians 4, verse 29, it says, Do not let any unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Guilty or not guilty? Guilty. How do I know I am guilty? Because the law says I am guilty. Through the knowledge of the law, through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Why the law then? If I am no longer under the law, because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Why the law then? Paul asks. It was added because of the transgressions having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the, whom the promise had been made. The law was set in place 
to show me that I'm sinful. The law was set in place to show me I need the Savior. The law was put in place to point me to Christ. Now I no longer am under the law as a means to get to heaven. Because the purpose of the law was only to point me to Christ. I am not saved by the law. None of us are saved by obedience to the law. We are only saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And Romans 10 verse 4 tells us, Christ is the end of the law. For whom? Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The righteousness that is by faith. So why? Why do I need to obey? If Christ is the end of the law and the law is done away with because of the cross of Jesus Christ, why obey? Because Jesus Christ himself said, you love me you will obey my command our motivation to obey God and his commandments should be brought from a heart of gratitude a heart of love were you singing with us were you singing with us about the cross lead me to the cross oh God Thank you for loving me. When on the cross you made history. What history was there? What took place at the cross? He said, Tetelestai, it is finished. It is paid in full. Your sin and mine have been paid for in full. So why should I obey? Because I love God. Even as Jesus Christ loved God the Father and obeyed. If you love Jesus Christ, he said, you will obey what I command. Oh, it's good that God only gave us ten commandments. Guess again. There are not only ten commandments. There are more than 600 commandments. Every time you read the Bible, there's an imperative that is a command to you. And even the ten commandments that we've studied, can you really obey? Can we really obey? Completely? All the time? Therefore, you need the Savior. Therefore, I need the Savior because I cannot obey completely. And what did Jesus Christ do? He said, do not think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but what? To fulfill. He came to fulfill the law because all the requirements of the law were fulfilled in Christ Jesus. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of the stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. And my friends, that is the title of my message for all of us this morning. Fulfill the law of love. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you that we can come together and study your word. Speak to all of us, Lord God, through your Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding. And above all, Father, give us the desire to obey you out of love. Be pleased with our worship, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Exodus 20. We shall be reading the last six commands. You shall not murder. Read this with me, please. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Those, those are the five. It began with honor your father and the mother. Now, remember I shared with you, the first four begin with your relationship with God. The last six begins with your relationship with other people. Love God, 
love others. On these two commands, all of the commandments are fulfilled. Are you with me? So we'll take at it, stab at it one by one. You shall not murder. Murder is to take somebody else's life. Yes? Now please do not raise your hand. If you are here in our midst, and at one time or another, you have murdered somebody. You have taken the life of another person. Please, oh, I thought you were raising your hand. Please do not raise your hand. I don't mean to disrespect you, but, you know, I don't like to know. Murder. What does God say? Do not murder. You shall not murder. Right? Now, is anyone... Okay, I'm going to put my neck out. Is anyone here guilty of murder? That's why you shaved your head, huh? Usually, before, before they put you in the electric chair, they usually shave your head, right? I, I, now I think I know why George has his uh, head shaved. Bible says, thou shalt not murder. Oh, pastor, I have never killed anyone. Never. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. Agree or disagree? Agree. We must have justice. The murderer must be put before the court. And the court must decide what penalty this murderer must have. Yes? Alright. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Are you and I guilty of murder? Answer, yes. Raka. Dumbhead. Good for nothing. You are guilty of murder. Why do you curse this other person who was likewise created in the image of God? You are guilty of murder. You may not have physically taken this person's life, but Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law. As a matter of fact, I'm leveling up the law. You do not need to physically take the life of another individual to be guilty of murder. Curse that other person created in the image of God. You are guilty of murder. Look at it. If you're angry, you're brought before the court. If you say you're good for nothing, you will be brought to the Supreme Court. If you say you fool, you shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Are we guilty of murder? Yes. That's why God says, Thou shalt not murder. Do not let the sun go down with anger in your heart and do not give the devil a foothold. Thou shalt not murder. But, you know, we're all human beings, so maybe we're like this person. I try to be a nice person. But sometimes, my mouth doesn't want to cooperate. <laughs> right? Brother, Pastor Reggie challenged us. Right? Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So what do we do? We massage it a little. Oh my gosh. Right? We change it a bit. But God knows what we really want to say in our heart. Yes? You may not say it, but you're angry with your brother. Are you guilty of murder? Yes. I'm guilty of murder. Many times. Because I have a short temper. Guilty as charged. 
verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Adultery means that you have carnal knowledge for the sake of the younger people. Carnal knowledge. Okay? You have carnal... Uh, yes, they have a... Guilty as charged? Okay. Okay, the preaching is over here, okay? You shall not commit adultery. What is adultery? To, have adul to commit adultery is... To have carnal knowledge with someone who is not your spouse. That is adultery. Yes! I'm single. <laughs> My friend, that is fornication. Because outside of marriage, sex with uh, outside of marriage is also a sin. So be careful. Don't play around with God. I may not be guilty of adultery. I'm just guilty of fornication. Same thing, my friend. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Yes, Lord. I'm not guilty. Because we really didn't go all the way. Oh, come on. You're laughing because you're thinking about it. Maybe in the past... Maybe in the past you were guilty. Come on. All right. You're married. You just brought somebody, uh, maybe a female or a male co-worker. You brought him or her out for lunch. Nothing happened. Maybe you watch a movie. Nothing happened. Maybe she kissed you or you kissed her. Nothing happened because we, I'm not guilty of adultery because we didn't, we didn't have sex. We didn't go all the way. So I'm not guilty, Lord. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her. So do you have to physically do it? No. My friends, the issue is really the attitude of your heart. I had the privilege of being under the discipleship group of Pastor Peter. We encountered this. And one of my day group members is very philosophical. In other words, philosopho. Oh, Pastor Peter. Is, you know, this guy. It's usually the second look. Good point. So you see a beautiful woman. Because men, women, you better know something about men, okay? Men are very visual. So if you dress kind of, you know, revealing, do not expect that we will go like this. Because we are really visual. I see you see a beautiful woman. Woman, you try to be spiritual. Oh, God's creation. <laughs> right? So you see her. Oh, praise be to God. Oh, but you're married. So don't look. Usually it's the second look that kills, right? So this friend of ours, Pastor Peter, if that is the case, when you see this beautiful woman and uh, you are married, when you see, okay, proceed. Follow. No second look. One long look. Same thing. You know, those of you on Facebook, okay, those of you on Facebook, don't get mad at me. Huh? But I have noticed some things. And sometimes I sur I'm surprised. So I open, and you know when you like a page, right? When you like something, it also gets connected to you, right? So I see some other people. Okay, so-and-so changed her profile picture. Her, okay? So she has a nice picture. She changed her profile picture. Maybe it's in the beach. Maybe she's wearing something beautiful. Okay, it's a nice-looking lady, right? Why did the husbands have to like the page? I get to think. 
the rest of the world who is also on Facebook will see that you are liking the page, the picture of this beautiful woman who happens not to be your wife. Think about it. I'm not saying that you're in sin, okay? But I'm just thinking to myself, why do I need to like that particular? I already know the person. She's my friend on Facebook or whatever. Why do I need to like it? And tell the rest of you that I like her picture. I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't. I'm not trying to be on the high horse, but I just, why, why do I need to do that? I may not have done or committed physical adultery, but the Bible tells me the mere fact that I look at another woman who is not my wife and lust after her, I have committed adultery in my heart. See, men, women, everyone, God's standard is not the same as our standard. For us, unless I do it, I am not guilty. Not so with God. You thought about it. You have committed adultery with her in your heart. It's an attitude of the heart. It is an issue of the heart. Next command. You shall not steal. What is stealing? To take and carry away feloniously, to take without right or leave, with intent to keep wrongfully, as to steal the personal goods of another. This is where we get the word klepto. Have you ever stolen? Something? A pencil from work? Some bond paper? Some rubber bands? Aren't you and I stealing time when our office schedule is 8 to 5 and you consistently come at 8.03 and leave at 4.58? You're stealing company time, right? Yes or no? Yes. So are we guilty of stealing? Yes. When you take away somebody's idea, intellectual property rights, stealing. Now, because we are CCFLA, we don't steal, right? Because God said, do not steal. Malachi chapter 3. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. I don't steal. I don't rob people. Well, why then is God accusing us of stealing from him? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So how do we rob God? When we pay lip service that is dishonoring to God, we rob him of his glory. When he says, bring the whole tithe, and the tithe means 10%. Silence. A tithe means 10%. When you don't give God his due, what are you doing? Stealing. You are robbing from God. In tithes and in offerings. A tithe goes to God. An offering is something over and above your tithe. But we are very good in economics. Okay, a tithe is $100, but I gave so-and-so 20 to help him out. So God, I only owe you 80, huh? 
God said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is your local church. Why? So that there may be food in my house. What does that mean? So that there is money to finance the ministry. So that the work of the Lord may continue. Does God really need your money? No. Look at what the first letter of verse 10, uh, first word of verse 10 say. What does it say? Bring. If it says bring, is it yours? Just bring it. It's not yours. Hello? Can you bring the potato chips? Just bring it. Bring what? The whole tithe. Everything. In all of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, you will see time and time and time again, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Only in Malachi chapter 3 does God said, does God say, test me in this. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. What is the test? Money. Be faithful to God with the money that God allows you to make. And see what he will do. If you are faithful to God with the money that he allows you, with the money that he has lent to you to be a good steward, look at what he says. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Oh, but pastor, I heard that you know, uh, blessings are only spiritual in nature. Do you agree? That they're only spiritual in nature according to this verse? No. You are faithful with your tithes. What will God do? He will bless you. Overflowing. Where? Until your barns overflow. Look. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you. So that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor will your vine in the fields cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Is God limiting his blessing to just merely spiritual blessings? If God so desires to bless you financially, can he do it? Yes. So don't limit God and say, well, first uh, Ephesians chapter 1 says you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Therefore, God is limited to just blessing me spiritually. How about Abraham? Who was blessed beyond his wildest imagination that his herds and Lot's herds cannot be contained in the land. Okay, Lot, we have to part ways. We are so blessed. The land cannot contain us. You choose. I give you first option. If you go left, I will go right. If you go right, I will go left. God bless them. How about King Solomon? Solomon, what do you ask? God, I only ask for wisdom to lead your people. And what did God reply? Solomon, because you only ask for wisdom. I will not only make you the wisest person on earth, but I will also make you the richest person on earth. Why? Because Solomon was after the heart of God. He was not after riches. Now if, oy, God will bless me until my bars overflow, I will be faithful to tithe. Because the return on my investment is very good. Is that honoring God with your money? No, you're making me, you're making a business deal with God. Oh God, huh? I give you 11%. You only ask 10, I will give you 11. Because you said it will be returned to me 30, 60, 100 fold. Therefore, my expectation is, 11 times 100, you will bless me 1,100%. 1, 
you're bargaining with God. That's why it says, bring. Bring it. Why? Because it really belongs to God. Ah! 10%? Yes! I give 10% and I am free to do whatever I want with the 90%. Yes! Wrong. Who owns everything? Does God own your 100%? What does He expect you to do? Bring the 10% and still be faithful. Still be a faithful steward of the 90% that God also owns. You may be giving even 15 or 20%, but if you are not faithful with the remainder, you're also robbing God. Thou shalt not steal. <coughs> you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. What does it mean? Lie. A false statement made with deliberate intent to deceive, mislead, causing someone to believe in error. Deceit. An act or practice intended to mislead by a false appearance or statement. Have you ever lied? Mr. Nolan, where's your report? It's being printed, sir. Where is it? It's being photocopied as we speak. It's still on your computer. It hasn't been finished yet. Where's your homework? Teacher, I forgot it at home. It's on my laptop, which I left at home. Oh, really? I don't know. Thou shalt not bear, bear false witness against your neighbor. Let's look at some forms of lies or deception. Outright falsehoods. False promises. Flattery. Uh-oh. Here it is again. My problem with my computer. Have you uh, made outright falsehoods, false promises, or even flattery just to get your way? Have you? Yes or no? If you aim to deceive, then are you guilty of bearing false witness against thy neighbor? Yes or no? When you lie, what time did you come home? Your curfew was 10.30. What time did you come home? <laughs> Very good, 10.31. Did you obey? What did you meet your curfew? Yes, Dad. How? I did not even come home last night. So I did not, I complied with the curfew because I wasn't even here or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying, right? To bear false witness against your neighbor. To say something with the intent to deceive. Now if I tell you I'm handsome but my intention is not to deceive you, <laughs> I might be deceiving myself. I keep on saying I'm, I'm handsome when I am not. I might be deceiving myself, right? So, what are we to do then? Speak the truth in love, right? My computer is still acting up, but uh, we'll get there. How many of you have lied? Oh, there. We have a liar. <laughs> you remember Revelations 21 verse 8. What does it say? For the cowardly, the vile, the unbelieving, the murderer, the sexually immoral, the idolaters. And what? And what? All liars? What will happen to them? And all liars, their place 
will be the fiery lake of burning sulfur, which is the second death. My friends, with God, all sin is sin. It is only you and I who change the standard of God. When he says something is sinful, guess what? It is sin. You and I debate with ourselves. We debate with God. We argue. We try to get our point across. But in truth, in truth, we are guilty as charged. When God says, sin sends you to hell, you and I should be mindful to take sin and take God seriously. Outright falsehoods, false promises, flattery, false doctrine, hypocrisy, half-truths, and even self-deception. That's why the Bible tells us, be careful with our words. Jesus Christ himself said, you will be accountable for every careless word that proceeds from your mouth. Therefore, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else comes from the evil one. Are you coming to my party later on? Yes. And then you don't show up. What is that? No, see, you don't want to admit it. <laughs> That's lying. Why? You broke your word. You did not. You made the bond. You made the commitment to this person that you will show up. You did not ask to be released. Hello? Yeah, I said I was going. But something came up. It's an emergency. Can you release me from my commitment to you? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. That's more important. Then you're released. Are you attending the group? Yes. I'm going to bring a crispy pata. <laughs> okay. So everybody's okay. He's going to bring crispy pata. So we're going to have this. And then he doesn't show up at all. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. What does the word covet mean? To wish for with eagerness to desire possession of. In a good sense. In a good sense. There is a good side to this word. However, to long for inordinately or unlawfully to hanker after something forbidden. You want to take ownership of something that is not yours. That's the negative side of it. To have or to indulge inordinate desire. Covet. To desire unlawfully or to secure illegitimately. Hence, it is called, if you see a woman and lust after her, you see, and covet after her in your heart, what are you guilty of? Adultery. You see your neighbor. He has a brand new car. That's the car that you really wanted to have. Wow. I wish I had a car like that too. Or, I should have that car. How dare he have that car? He should not have that car. I should have that car. The attitude of your heart. That's why James reminds us, 
each one is tempted. But when he is carried away and enticed, by what? By his own lust. What happens? Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. You see the progression? You saw it. You coveted after it. You didn't see temptation, not yet. You're still not guilty of sin. You're just being tempted. But once you give in to that lust, sin is born. And then when you act it out, you've committed sin. And then what? Sin brings death. Why? The wages of sin is death. But God's free gift is eternal life which is in Christ Jesus our Lord so when you see something don't even think about it it's not yours maybe you need to bless God God thank you for blessing these people with what they have I pray for the grace to be content. Paul said, I, ha I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to be in want. Yet in all things, I have learned to be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. If you are happy with your relationship with God, if you are happy with what God allows you to have, you will not be covetous. You will not want somebody, what somebody else has. You will be content with God and what God allows you to have. Do not covet. Don't even think about it. As we close, Romans 13, verse 9. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Think about this. If we follow this, we don't commit adultery, we don't murder, we don't steal, we don't covet, wouldn't this society be a nice society to live in? That when you leave your house, you don't even need to lock the door? Why? Nobody's going to steal my stuff. Right? Nobody's going to take this. Nobody's going to take that. Why? Because they love me. They respect me. All of these are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So, love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Love does no wrong to others. So, love fulfills the requirements of God's law. What's the message this morning? Fulfill the law of love. If you will love God, you will have no other gods before Him. If you love God, you will not take His name in vain. If you love God, you will honor the Sabbath. If you love God, you will honor your parents. If you love God, you will not commit adultery, you will not steal, you will not murder, you will not covet. If you love God, you will love one another. You will honor your parents. Parents will honor their children. We will not commit adultery against each other. We will not lie to each other. We will not steal from each other. We will not covet any of our goods. Because love 
fulfills the law of God. The challenge, therefore, to us this morning is for us to fulfill the law of love. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us first and foremost because we cannot love other people if we have not yet first experienced your love. Thank you, Lord God, for the Holy Spirit that lives in each and every believer who is now able to love other people because they have experienced the love of God. Heavenly Father, if there is anyone here who has not yet experienced your unconditional love and grace and mercy, will you speak, Lord God, for your servants are listening, your people are listening, Lord. And for those of us who fail time and time again to fulfill the law of love, will you forgive us, Lord? Allow us repentance and produce fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control. Because when we love, it is a testimony of the love that we experienced from you. And it is an application of the love that we should share with one another, appropriate to other people, especially those who need to know about the love of the Father manifest in the sacrifice of His one and only Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray all of these things in His name. Amen.